I invite you to stand as you're able and invite you to bow your heads and join with me in a word of opening prayer. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks wherever two or more of us are gathered. There you are. We give you thanks that you woke us up this morning and brought us here. And we give you thanks that we can have this opportunity to know you. And so, God, help us to seize the opportunity this morning. God, may we truly worship you. God, we pray that you make this time holy time, that you make this ground holy ground, whether we are here online, whether we are here in person, however we are experiencing this, God, may we wholly give ourselves over to you, that this may be the time this week that we see your face clearly, that we hear the clarion call of your word, that we may be transformed and filled with your strength. In Jesus' most holy name we pray, amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving and holy Lord of all, we give you thanks. We give you thanks this morning as we stand here in the midst of the storms of life that we have a rock and a foundation in you. God, we give you thanks for your continued presence, the way your life and love and grace moves in our lives, for the fact that we can claim you as Savior, for the fact that we do not have to be who we were, and that our world will not be as it is. It will be so much more. And so, loving God, we come to you with the things that are weighing on our hearts, with the things that make it hard for us to see you, with the places we are anxious and worried and hurting. In particular, we lift up Rebecca Denson, uh, who uh, suffered uh, suffers from a seizure disorder, God, and she's in the hospital. God, we pray uh, for Rebecca. We pray that she may be healed. May that she may everything may be set right. We pray for the doctors and for the nurses that they may know exactly what to do. Uh, we pray for the officers who are still searching the now extended statewide search uh, for the escaped inmate, God. We pray uh, that that situation may be resolved in peace. Uh, we pray for the fires ongoing in West Texas, even as we prepare to go there, uh, God. We pray for the families who are in the path of that fire. We pray uh, for Tesney Davis um, for health um, as she travels uh, to Europe to minister uh, to some unsaved family members, God. We pray for traveling mercies, God. We pray for you to bless that ministry, God. We pray that your a mighty hand may rest upon Tesney, as it so often does. May it continue to rest upon Tesney, that she may find uh, the strength that she needs in that ministry. We lift up Angela and Rhonda and Eric for healing from cancer. We lift up Carla Rawson uh, for uh, healing from cancer. We lift up uh, the Dickerson family. We pray for our VBS and for our mission trip. We lift up the Ortega family, who's having to deal uh, with an unexpected uh, death of a family member. God, uh, we pray for your peace and love and comfort to surround them. We lift up the ongoing war uh, in the Ukraine. We pray for those who find themselves in the path of violence. God, we pray for them that they may be safe. We lift up the, the community of Buffalo um, as they are still reeling uh, from the horrendous violent act that occurred there. We lift up the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. We pray that it may someday come to an end and that those who are caught in the midst of it may be well. And God, we come to you also with our own souls. God, we lift up ourselves to you. God, take our lives and use us. God, forgive us for those places where we fall short, knowing that we know we have that second chance love. But God, we pray once again, lift up those places where we are not yet of you. Um, and God, even as we do so, we are deeply thankful that there is your grace for us once again. So may we indeed be a people of your grace, filled with your grace, 
filled with your spirit and that cannot help but share that spirit, that grace with others. May we be your hands and feet in the world. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. And I invite the kids um, and Pastor Emily uh, to come forward. Uh, She has got a message prepared just for them. Good morning. Hey, Zeb, how's it going? You were really fast getting up here today. (laughs) Good morning, good morning. Okay, guys, so how many of you have already had your last day of school for the year? Well, all the adults, yes, are very excited. My Palestine ISD people are excited. Okay, how many of y'all still have just less than two weeks of school left? That's everybody else, right? Yes. Okay, guys, so tell me, are you really looking forward to summer break? Yes. Are you super excited about it? What are you most excited about for summer break? I want everybody to tell me. I'm going to go down the line. Okay, so think in your brain. What's the thing you're looking forward to doing this summer break? You ready? One, two, three. Here we go. Summer camp. Summer camp. Everything. Everything. I don't know. Don't know yet. Okay. The beach. We go on summer vacation to the beach every single summer. Sweet. All right. Judy, do you have one too? Summer camp. Summer camp. All right. Did you think of one, Zeb? I know you like to go swimming. Are you looking forward to swimming? Yes. That was always my favorite because summertime meant that we got to go swimming. We didn't have school. We got to play in the backyard. We got to go camping. We got to do stuff with our families. It was so fun. Did you know that as Christians, we have something even cooler to look forward to? That someday... A long, long time from now, or it could be tomorrow. We don't know. Um, there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And the earth is going to be made perfect. And everything will be perfect. It'll be like summer forever. Where there's peace and nobody's hungry. And there's no more war. And all of those things that we just prayed for on our prayer list are all taken care of already. Wouldn't that be cool? Be fun to look forward to, huh? Yeah. And I don't know that there will be any more school unless you just really wanted to go to school, Jay. (laughs) All right. You know who's looking forward to summer even more than us? Teachers. Can I get an amen from our teachers? They're all raising their hands. Yes. All right, guys. Are you ready to pray with me? Okay. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's fold our hands. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for summer. And all the fun things we can do. Thank you that we have hope. And can look forward. To a perfect world. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good job guys. Thanks. You can head on back to your seats. Our scripture lesson this morning, okay, the syntax on it's a little rough, but I promise, friends, it will make sense when we get there. It is Revelation, it is selections uh, from Revelation chapter 21 and Revelation chapter 22. Specifically, it is Revelation chapter 21, 10. Then we jump to chapter 21, verse 22, through chapter 22, verse 5. As I read it, this will all make sense. I'm just giving you a sentence that kind of sets up what we're seeing, and then about a half a chapter of what we actually see. Uh, again, fear not. The script, I understand. You look at the thing on the cover of the bulletin. It's like, what exactly are we looking at? 
Don't even worry about it. It's going to be fine. Um, here again, uh, Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22. And in the spirit, he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down, from, uh, coming down out of heaven from God. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of, of God is its light. And its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of light. And the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street to the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there any more, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They need no lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light and will reign forever and ever. Amen. This day is God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, anyone who has ever waited and waited and waited for summer break to come, and then found themselves on summer break, knows exactly what Revelation wants you to know about. The lead up to the end of school is a time of great tribulation. If you're in high school or college, it's final exams. Um, if, you are, if you're a child, you are just waiting and waiting and waiting for this thing to be over, and you are counting down the days, but you're still having to get up and go do all the things. If you're a teacher, you have grades and shutting down the classroom and all these things. Like, you are just, there's all of this waiting and a fair amount of suffering, and then all of a sudden, it's May 20th, and life is good. And especially for children, what is stretched out before you feels like an endless amount of nothing to do, of no one waking you up early in the morning, of just joy and light and peace forever. Now, it's actually only 12 weeks, uh, but it, when you are eight, right? When you are eight, summer feels like it lasts forever. We've just been through, as you can tell, we've just been through the end of school rituals of the Comstock household, where three of its four members will now, you know, have uh, 12 weeks off to uh, relax and put things in boxes and see family and put things in boxes um, and, you know, sleep in a little bit and put things in boxes. Uh, our summers be a little different than normal. We, you know, I, you know, I remember that as a kid, waiting for that last day of school, feeling like it would never come and then all of a sudden, here it is. And the possibilities of a joyous life, certainly on the afternoon of that last day of school for us this year, at about 12.30 on May 20th, it seemed like an endless possibilities for joy and peace. It is very much like that, which 
the, the Korean pop star Psy, but this is how it feels. This is actually what the book of Revelation is about, but on an eternal timescale. We've talked about it with the children, but I'll talk about it with y'all too. That what is being pitched in Revelation gets, gets misconstrued by how we talk about Revelation. We get really hipped on all of the ludicrous imagery of beasts and flying locusts and fighting angels on horseback and dead death and destruction and 144,000 of this and a beast and others, all this stuff. And that is meant to scare you. That is, there's meant to be scary stuff in Revelation. If you don't read Revelation and get a little terrified, you are reading the book wrong. But the pitch on Revelation is not everything ends in fire. It is not everything is terrified, run for your lives. It is things will be hard, hold on, God wins in the end. Things will be hard. Hold on, it will all be worth it. And so Revelation chapter 21 and Revelation chapter 22 is that last part of Revelation. It is the it will be worth it portion. It is the descent of the new Jerusalem. It is the final image we get of what God's victory is. It is the image of where we are all going. This is where it's going. This is the goal. This is where we're headed to. And ain't it beautiful when we get there? Crystal rivers and trees and the light of God. It's one heck of a beautiful ending. I don't know about you, but I need that sometimes. But the other thing we forget about Revelation is it was not originally written for us. We get to use it. It's in the Bible. It's important. But it was originally written to a group of people who were being persecuted by the Roman Empire. A group of early Christians. Uh, it's, we think it's after the year 72 AD, which is when the Jewish temple gets knocked over by the Romans. Uh, and now Nero and later Domitian, uh, two Roman empires, get really into the idea of persecuting Jews uh, and Christians. Right? This is just becoming a hobby for them. We're becoming pesky and we must be squashed. Uh, they used to think we were atheists, which is really funny, because they called us atheists because we did not believe in their deities, but we are not atheists. Anyways, they also thought we did cannibalism. We had to do a lot of talk about how communion is not cannibalism. It was a real weird time to be a Christian, friend. They had to defend themselves from really weird attacks. But they're under pressure. They're actively being hurt. Most of them probably would have known members of their congregation, friends, and family who had gotten caught up in the persecution. And so as John gets this vision and thinks about, how do I write this down? One of his goals in writing this down, he writes it to, se to seven churches that were, that were open operating at that time, he writes to these seven churches to tell them, yes, I know things are bad right now. We are being persecuted by the most powerful empire on the face of the earth. I know it feels like we don't stand a chance. And quite frankly, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. But hold on, because in the end, it gets a whole lot better. In the end, God wins. They needed to hear that then as much as we need to hear that now. And so this image of true peace, 
this image of God at the center of true peace is a deeply appealing image because it is the thing we need to hear, we need to hear and be reminded of sometimes. I'll read again chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing down from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life and its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God, not the Lamb, will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. One of the ways I like to think about this image, the new Jerusalem, isn't about what's there, but about what is not there. And there are a number of like things that we are very used to that are not there. And the first thing that isn't there is the ocean. There is no ocean in the new Jerusalem, just a river and a tree. You want to know why, A, I care, and B, why oceans don't make the cut? Uh, think about the creation story. I know it's back on the... Think about the other end of the Bible. Think about Genesis 1. I know we're in Revelation 22. Cast your mind back all the way to the beginning of time, far long ago. Some of you remember it. Some of us don't. Uh, back to the beginning of time. God sweeps across chaotic water and divides the land from the water. It is God beginning to put the world in order. To the ancient mind, and frankly, to the modern mind, oceans are symbols of uncontrollable chaos. And one of God's great powers in creation, in parting the Red Sea, in bringing in the New Jerusalem, is that final defeat of chaotic water. That, that one of the reasons why there are no oceans in the New Jerusalem is because there is no chaos. It is just God's order, everything working as it should, everything made right, everything made whole. No people cause chaos, no nature cause chaos, no one fears the thunderstorms later this week because it has all been made right and working by God. The next thing that there is, there is no sun and moon. I know a lot of our life is governed by, well, some of us are more sun people, some of us are more moon people, I'm on the nighttime crew, but like we are very governed by the large celestial orbs that we are very used to and they are not they don't make the cut in the new jerusalem why because there's no need for them there's no darkness there is just the light of god and so there's no literal darkness and so no one needs to turn on lamps and no one needs to have a sun to guide by or a moon to see at night because there's just the light of god glowing but it also means there is no figurative darkness. That is human brokenness. That is the things we do in the dark that we wish people would not see. All of that is gone too. There is no darkness at all. Whether the darkness in someone's heart or the literal darkness, there is nothing to fear. There is just the light of God and everyone loving everyone and everyone acting as they should. And the other thing that's absent in the New Jerusalem, is in uh, verses, uh, chapter 21, verses 22 and 23. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and of the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon for to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, 
and the and its lamp is the lamb. You see, the Jewish temple was believed to be the one place on earth where God sat. And so they built big, massive walls. And you can still see the remnants of those walls. Uh, the, the base platform of the temple is massive. And they put barriers between the people and God. And they only sent in very special people once a year to go into the Holy of Holies. And they were, had a, something tied around their waist that if it went wrong, they could get pulled out of there um, because they were so terrified of the presence of God. But in the New Jerusalem, there is no separation between you and God. There's no temple because there's no need for it. You can just have direct access to God. Nothing gets in the way of it. You have a question for God, you just go straight to God and ask. Also, by the way, there will be no lines um, in the New Jerusalem. You will not have to wait in, in a literally eternal line to ask your question from God. I don't know how that's going to work. Luckily, luckily God's far smarter than I will, because if there are lines in New Jerusalem, I don't want to go. So you find yourself in a line, you might have ended up in the other place. I don't know. We will have direct access to the comfort and the joy and the peace and the grace of God. But that's what's driven out all the darkness. But that's what is the light. But that is at the center of a new Jerusalem is that everyone is fully at one with God forever. Because the work of Christ and because the might of God, this victory is assured. So you ask yourself, anyone who gets involved in anything, when you are thinking about an organization, if you are thinking about a company, if you are thinking about something to give your life and time over to, you should probably ask yourself, what's the goal? What is the end goal of this thing? Where is this going? Facebook, by the way, their goal is not to run the world as a shadow digital government. It is actually to organize the world's information. The goal of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We here at Grace Church are the people of the second chance. We want to offer that second chance love to others. And if you want to know what is the goal of being a Christian, what is the goal of the kingdom of God, what is God's grand, audacious goal for humanity, here it is. It's Revelation chapter 21 and Revelation chapter 22. It is no darkness, no chaos, no pain, no suffering. Everyone has what they need and everyone is at one with God all the time. That's the goal. That's where this is going. That is what we all labor towards as we gather as a church and go out in mission and serve others is to carve out little pockets of the world that look a little more like the New Jerusalem and look a little less like Sodom and Gomorrah post-asteroid strike. It feels that way sometimes. That's where we're going. That's where God wants us to go. If we grab hold of God, that's where we can go as well. We can go to a world where it is always, specifically, May 20th at 1230 p.m. You can go to a world where it is always the first day of summer break. 
And not first day is summer break where now you have to wrangle children for three months because they've taken away your childcare. No, you're eight years old and you're looking at it a never ending summer break that is stretched out before you, but it does not end in 12 weeks. You do not go back to school at the beginning of August or late July if we've gotten there at this point. No, forever. You get to live with that feeling that what is out in front of me is a perfect world of joy and peace. The endless summer break. It is always May 20th at 1230. It is always going to be a never-ending horizon of a perfect and joyful and peaceful life that no one can take away from you. That might be what it feels like to retire from teaching. I don't know. I only sort of retired from teaching and then went and became a grad student. I did that all wrong. But you just look out and there's this endless summer break before you. That's where we're going. If we can hang in there, it will be worth it. God's victory is assured. And I know. I know. We can look out at the world. We can look at our own lives. We can look at our families. We can read the news. We could then promptly turn the news off. And we could, you know, see. If you told me that on CNN right now, a multiple-eyed beast is descending over the Empire State Building, I would probably tell you yeah, that sounds about right. It's 2022. That's our thing this year. You know, it was a coronavirus, and then it was a coronavirus, and now it's a weird beast from the sky. Sure. Yes, like the people who read Revelation the first time, like all the people who have read Revelation since, we need to hear that message. That yeah, it's bad, it's bad, and it might even get worse for a while. But if we hang in there, it gets better. And not just a little bit better, but like never-ending summer vacation better. And I need that from time to time. I've been reading Revelation more in the past two and a half years than I had ever read it previously. Because I needed to be reminded what John gives is this reminder that, yeah, you look around and it might as well be multiple-eyed beasts standing over the Empire State Building, crunching on it like an oversized King Kong. But if we can hang in there, what's on the other side of it is the New Jerusalem, is peace and joy. No chaos, no pain, no suffering. No separation from God. Things may be hard. Hang in there. It will be worth it. Let us pray. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that your victory is assured. That we can have that hope even in the darkness. May we hear John's words to hang in there, to stay strong, to let the goal and the assurance, the victory be the thing that reassures our own faith as we search for proof in a broken world. May your power, your might, your commitment mean that we can hold on to this promise of a world made perfectly whole, of a never-ending summer vacation. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. I invite you to grab the hands of people around you, form one united body in Christ. Indeed.
power and presence of God's Spirit that is what we are. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Yes, things are tough. Hang in there, because at the end, it is all worth it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.